This is Observations Q&O podcast for Friday, the 23rd, I believe, of uh, April 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. And I'm Bruce McQuain. And, um, well, I, I, I have to tell you, uh, I um, have been dabbling a little bit in cryptocurrencies, Bruce. And uh, yeah, I have. I uh, I bought um, not a lot. I, I I set aside 650 bucks, right? So mm-hmm. I got some uh, Bitcoin and I got some Ethereum, and I even bought some Dogecoin. Uh, took my profits on it, left my profits in there, but took my principal out because it's you know Dogecoin. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Right. Anyway. I uh, note that uh, Joe Biden decided that uh, what we really needed more than anything else was a 43% tax on capital gains. And so uh, my uh, $1,000 plus, because I have been making some profits, so my $1,000 plus of of, uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and whatnot, uh, is now down to $760. (laughs) <laughs> so thanks joe thanks for killing 24 percent of my portfolio in a week by the way that's one week yep so a 43 percent capital gains tax a little bit of a all... rise from the current 15 but uh you know certainly uh certainly nothing anyone should complain about right no especially those that usually invest in things you know they won't complain about that. They just won't invest. Yeah, or having started investing, they will. Uh, they will stop. One, one of yeah. one of our listeners says, "Ah, Dogecoin for the lulls," and that's exactly <laughs> what it was. I put fifty dollars into Dogecoin. Um, <laughs> it got up to nearly two hundred. Nearly. Um, no, I'm sorry. I put a hundred in Dogecoin. It got up to nearly two hundred. Um, and then I pulled my hundred out, and I kept the remainder of it. So that's that's so what you're I playing did. with their money. Yeah. So now I'm just playing with their money. So I don't care what Dogecoin does. I got my money back. <laughs> so I didn't lose a dime. So I don't care. Um, there you go. Beyond that, however, um, and I should have done this before we uh, uh, jumped on, and it completely, uh, completely slipped my mind. But uh, I wanted to check and see uh, what the uh, what the markets had done over the last week, and I completely forgot to uh, I completely forgot to do that. Although I know that uh, some people took a bath yesterday, um, I think I gather today was a little bit better. But uh, you know, if you're gonna and capital gains, you know, people think of capital gains as this thing that only rich people have to worry about. Well, sell a house. You've just if you sell it for a penny more than you bought it for, you've made a capital gain. Yep. And uh, think about retirement accounts. Right? Oh, yeah. If you have a 401k. What, what you have put together for. Yeah. yeah. And, so, yeah. and unless you have a retirement account where you're investing pre-tax, um, you've already been taxed on that money. So you're taxed on the money you put into it. Anything else you make, now you get capital gains on it. On top of, you know, whatever income taxes that you have to pay. Yeah. Because guess what? It's income. So, I don't know. It, it, it's like, I've never seen an administration that in the first 100 days has gone through such a series of policies, all of which are enormously destructive to the economy. Yeah. Yep. And you know, you know very well that this really isn't coming from Joe. Uh, this, is, this is the... Uh, Democrat and leftist wet dream. This is what they've wanted forever because they fundamentally don't understand human nature or economics. And so they do these stupid things thinking, well, you know, if we tax uh, capital gains uh, 40 some odd percent, well, they'll just pay up. Not realizing that human nature says, you know, when you tax something, you try to avoid it. And so that's what's going to happen. You, we're going to see uh, investment dry up. We're going to see, you know, the economy uh, suffer. 
uh, that's just human nature uh, kicking in when somebody imposes something on them. If, I don't know. If, I, if only know, there were some, if only there were some scientific discipline that could study how people yeah. respond to incentives. Amazing, isn't it? But you know, it's it's like a goose. They wake up in a new world every day and have no clue how any of this works, and are surprised, just absolutely surprised by the unintended consequences. You know. Yeah. So I, I don't get these folks. I never have gotten them. I mean. This is not, this is not difficult stuff to understand. This is not something you have to have uh, some obscure PhD in to figure out. Uh, this is common sense. Economics is common sense. And we and have centuries be... of practical experience watching this stuff play out exactly. in the real world. Exactly. Yeah, but they're too busy writing, rewriting history and, and, and making it a racial deal versus trying to figure out how, how this, you know, stuff actually works i mean we have a woman in in congress who uh ha supposedly has an economics degree from boston university that I, you know i think it has to be a fraud because there's no way someone who has an economics degree from any university would talk about you know taxation and uh, green new deals and all these other things the way she does uh, she would know full well that that's not gonna work I, I'm beginning to suspect that there's great inflation going on at that institution. More than great inflation. Somebody's been paying off. <laughs> I mean, that's just nuts. All right. So we have to wind our way around to it sooner or later. So let's just uh, let's just do it and, and be done with it. Derek Chauvin was convicted on uh, all three counts. Right. And uh, so... I guess we can now refer to it formally as the murder of George Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd. Um, so he's going to jail for a while. Although it does seem to me that he has a pretty good argument for an appeal. Uh, but yeah, and that's what I'd like to talk about. I think there's a huge argument for appeal for for two reasons. One, I think they overcharged him uh, with the, with the murder charges. Manslaughter, I can I can see, but the two murder charges, uh, he didn't murder uh, George Floyd, no matter what the, the left screams. Uh, George Fleur, Floyd murdered himself. Um, My understanding and, of Minnesota law is for the 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 murder charge, he would have had to have intended to kill George that's Floyd. That's correct. And the other thing is, you know, I've heard people say, well, he said, I can't breathe. He, and that's because Chauvin was on his neck. No, he couldn't breathe because the fentanyl was in the middle, in the midst of, of paralyzing his muscles and lungs. He had so much of it in, in him. So the first thing was you, you saw the emotional charges because that's what they were. They emotionally charged him for, uh, with, for murder because the mob would not accept less. And then we had a judge who didn't sequester the jurors, who everyone knew uh, who they were, uh, and and then we're supposed, and then we had Maxine Waters showing up, uh, saying if they don't get the right uh, conviction, we're gonna we're gonna be even more confrontational after they had already burned and looted half of Minnesota. Well, one of the jurors uh, so, came out and admitted it, and just said, "I was today." That's correct. Yeah, I was, An alternate juror said that. Yeah, I was I was the, terrified of of you know absolutely something going. And, okay, and that statement. Yeah, that statement alone tells you that he has very good grounds for an appeal. By the way, you've no way that guy could have gotten a fair trial. By the way, you've just moved from a juror to a witness. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a mess, but that's you know that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I, I the thing that got me beside the fact that. He, he was, in my view, overcharged. Um, manslaughter, I wouldn't have had a problem with. Murder, I do. Right. Yep. Has been the response since his conviction. Oh, well, we that still wasn't justice done. I mean, it's still not good enough. Right. Well, and, and, and what and do that's they what want? You have to... The man hung? Well, that's what you have to. Well, yeah, this was this was uh, this was, you know, the equivalent of a lynching, you know, which was uh, uh, the, the uh, penalty first and then the. Uh... <laughs> 
and, and then talk about the charges. But that this was uh, this was a very modern lynching uh, because there was no doubt to me, uh, given uh, the way this this trial was uh, conducted, that uh, he was not going to be. You know, he he wouldn't be found not uh, guilty or wouldn't be found not guilty. Uh, it simply wasn't going to happen, and, and it really didn't matter what the parade of witnesses said. Um, I think that was already in the jurors' minds when they were, uh, you know, revealed to the public. Yeah, as soon as you know who the jurors are, well, guess what? You, you now have a means of putting pressure on them. That's right. Even and if you don't do anything overt, they know that you know who they are. Yes. Yes, and, and so... You know, this is not to excuse what what Chauvin did. I, I, that has nothing to do with this per se. I think what he did was uh, over the top. Uh, it, it was disgusting, uh, and he uh, uh, he deserved uh, punishment. I mean, there's no question about that. But what I am saying is, the mood of the mob was, you know, the actual real punishment he should have re received would have never been good enough. And in fact, as you point out, there are say they're saying. Uh, out there saying that uh, what has been uh, he's been convicted of isn't enough because, well, probably it doesn't carry the death penalty or something, you know? Yeah. So, you know, had it only been the manslaughter charge, who you know, who knows what the response would have been. But a exactly. full conviction wasn't good enough. Meanwhile, <laughs> on the day he was convicted, uh, Columbus, Ohio, shot a 16-year-old black teenager in the act of stabbing another teenager. Um, right. And now we're saying, I don't know why, why police are murdering children. Kids have been having knife fights for, for decades. Really? Is that the stupidest take you've ever heard in your life? Well, you just let them fight it out. Oh, okay. And clean up the bloody dead mess afterwards. Like they did down in Cincinnati where a 13-year-old stabbed a 13-year-old to death two days later. Yeah, well. Yeah, you know. that's what we do. We just let that happen and say, "Ah, screw it," and then we have to take the blame for. Uh, you know, uh, the, I'm talking about the the rest of the U.S. has to take the blame because you know somebody killed somebody. I mean, this is this is absurd. When I watched the the reaction, what was her name? Michaela Michaela Bryant or yeah, Mac anyway. Mac Micaiah. Micaiah Bryant. Yes. When I saw the reaction to her killing and, and I, I saw everything uh, uh, about that. I, I thought, this is just nature. These people haven't even watched what went on. They haven't read about it. They haven't looked at it. This is just knee-jerk. I mean, if you don't think LeBron James was a was knee-jerk, I mean, this isn't the brightest bulb in the pack anyway, but you know damn well, as fast as his came out, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't looked at anything. He hadn't. I mean, when you have Don Lemon, and uh, uh, Mr. Cuomo, uh, both of them having a reasoned discussion. I mean, you know that the event uh, was not of the gravity uh, that the George Floyd event was. Yeah, but, you know, also what happened earlier this week is the cops shot a, another fella and uh, BLM mobilized to go and begin protests. And then it turned out the fellow that got shot was white. So, yeah. So, hey. Oh, well, that. no. <laughs> Never not our problem. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, but there was no question. I mean, there was no question in anybody's mind that watched the video. And from many angles, there was a guy who caught uh, this knife fight on his garage security camera. There was no question uh, where that was headed. And, and had the cop not uh, acted, uh, one of the two was going to be dead and probably the girl in pink. And the girl in pink spoke afterwards and said, hey, look, she was going to kill me. He did the right thing. But nevertheless, her mother says she was a peace-loving little girl well, yes, who was like full the, of like love. The, yes, indeed. What a sweetheart. Yes, she just peace and love and knife fighting. That's, you know, I mean, because they do this all the time. Uh, it wasn't really, wasn't really knife fighting. <laughs> it, was, it was what I call a love injector. <laughs> And, and Valerie Jarrett comes out. I mean, that was the stupidest take I've ever seen in my life for a supposedly intelligent person. Yeah, the teenagers have been knife fighting for, you know, ever. Just leave, on the playgrounds, just leave them alone. Yeah. Okay, well, that and, and then the press who keep asking the same question. Why don't your oh, officers shoot people Jesus. in the leg? 
Yeah, because uh, when you're about to pull the trigger, that leg is probably moving. But center of mass, it's not going anywhere. And that's where you're taught not only in law enforcement, but in the military. You don't shoot for heads. You don't shoot for arms. You don't shoot for legs. You shoot center of mass. That's how you take somebody down. And when somebody's getting ready to stab someone else, you don't, you're not dancing around trying to, uh, you know, pull a target on a leg and hope you hit it. And you hope you don't miss and hit somebody else. However, the way that cop, the way that cop positioned himself, by the way, was right as well, because he basically set himself up not to hit anybody else, not to have the runs pass through the first one to hit anybody else. So that was, I mean, this was, it was a good shoot. Now, you know, one of the things that, that complicates this so much is that, yeah, you see this certainly bad timing, but um, a good shoot. Uh, as far as mm -hmm. I can tell, there's nothing there in that shooting that bothers me at all. I would have right. shot him as well. Right. However, it, it it does seem that for every one of those, there's a Dante Wright. You know, that, that fellow that got shot, um, you know, a couple of years ago in his car who's trying to say, look, I have a concealed carry permit. And the cop just freaked out and shot him. Yeah. Um, Dante Wright, who the officer, a 29-year veteran, by the way, although veteran of what, I'm not sure, who grabbed her pistol, yelled, Taser, and then, boom, shot him. And then was like, oh, yeah. shit, I shot him. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And you killed him. And, you know, whether he should have, you know, been more compliant or whatever, you know, we can we can have that discussion. Certainly, some measure of responsibility falls on you for resisting the, the police. Um, but that's just incompetence. And you see that kind of stuff. Uh, I think of the, the, the cop that walked away scot-free, by the way, after shooting a fella in the back who was running away from him. Yeah, I, I still to this day don't understand that. And, and I've, I've said it many, many times. It, it's like the shooting here in Atlanta that, that, that set off the uh, the riding here uh, a few months back where the guy was, was sleeping in his car. The cops roused him. Uh, you know, they, uh, they were getting ready to put him in his car. They knew who he was. They knew where he lived. They, they had his car and he took off running. And, and I, to, to the, for the life of me, I don't understand how someone who takes off running from you suddenly becomes a lethal threat. Uh, or why you're, you're pulling a gun. I mean, you can, yeah, hey, you can pull a gun, but, you know, the, the old story is if you're going to pull a gun, you, you need to use it. I mean, I just didn't understand that, that particular incident because they had all the information they needed to go by probably the next day and pick him up. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, was, he was already done. The, the running yeah. is only delaying the inevitable. Somebody's exactly. going to pick you up. He's, he's going to get picked up and he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, 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 out, uh, you know, he wasn't a violent criminal or anything like that. So why are we pulling a gun and shooting him in the back? Yeah. Well, you know, once the cop tackled him and then you had the, the, the taser problem. Yeah. Then it's escalated, but you, but right. you know, you know, it's almost like, you know how you have a dog and you may have like a little kitten or some other little pet and the dog will just, you know, ignore it or whatever, unless it turns around and runs away and dogs have that chase instinct, you know? So as soon as yeah. something runs away, boy, the dog just goes after him. Dog doesn't know why it's just instinct. And I think a lot of police training, you, you just automatically default to he's running. I got to stop him. Yeah. And there's, there's I, just I, no, I there's no thought. It, it, it's just, it's all almost like a competition. He can't yeah. get away from me. Yeah. And, um, uh, hmm. But but look, I just, if I was a cop today, I wouldn't chase anybody. Oh God, no! Well, you especially in Chicago, where you have to get permission. Yeah, they they've changed that now. You can't even do foot chases anymore in Chicago. Yeah. You have to yeah, get yeah, permission get for a permission. foot chase. Well, by the time I get that permission, I'm not catching anybody on foot, so we <laughs> might as well. I mean that that you know that, the whole idea. Well, you got to get permission to get a foot chase. Well, look, 
the reason that you're engaged in a foot chase is because he's getting away and you've got to keep up with him. If I got a call for permission to go into a foot chase, he's gone. Yeah. So, okay, let him run. And by the way, don't think we're not going to be seeing, with these restrictions, don't think we're not going to be seeing massive increases in crime. Oh, God, yeah. Well, it's like, what was it, California California decided they weren't going to prosecute any shoplifting crimes under $1,000? Yeah. And now it's just pull the truck up, load load this much stuff up, and drive away. And if it's under a thousand, nobody's going to bother you. Well, they're they're complaining, and it's even worse in San Francisco. They're just not prosecuting shoplifting at all. Mm. And so, um, I, I think it was Walgreens just said it was Walgreens or CVS, one of the, the the major ones, just said, "Okay, well, we're just shutting all of our stores down in in San Francisco." Yeah, why would you put up with that? I mean, because people were literally just walking in, grabbing stuff, and walking out. Okay, yeah, well, and, I mean, and no one, I, no I, one would do anything. I can't, I can't give away free stuff as a business. I just can't. You're right. So, if, if those are the rules, then fine. I just can't do business there. And of course, everyone is shocked, shocked to learn that stores are closing. <laughs> yep, it's uh, again that human nature thing that the left doesn't seem to understand. Yeah, it's it's just the weirdest thing. We're just going to come up with these policies, and we're going to promulgate them, and then people respond. I mean, what do you think, that if you say we're not going to prosecute shoplifting, that it's not going to affect shoplifting? Yeah, I don't get that. What is the... What is the thinking behind that? I'd like I'd like for somebody who believes that law is a good thing to, to explain that to me, because I certainly can't figure it out. However, to, to go back to the police shootings... The fact is, police in this country are not super well trained. You know what? I was I was trying to make that point to my my grandson the other day is the fact that most of what you see out here, much of what you see, I don't say most, but much of what you see in these incidents is the result of poor training. And uh, plus, plus things like yeah, no knocks and, and and some of the other stuff that they're allowed to do. Uh, but most of it is a result of poor training, and, and that's evident. You know, back to that incident. Back to that incident in Atlanta. That is a, that is poor training. And by the way, why should you train any more than you absolutely minimally have to, when you know that if you do something wrong, there is an excellent chance that the local prosecutor is not going to prosecute you. And above and beyond that, even if you do get prosecuted, there's an excellent chance that a jury won't convict you. Right. I mean, if there's no accountability, why spend all this money and time and training? It's just, it's irritating. Yes. And so we we simply don't do it. That's right. And here we are. And yet, we have so many crimes in this country, so many things are illegal, and we're getting cops involved in doing all kinds of stuff, up to and including checking to see whether you've been vaccinated if you're meeting in public. We're, we're, having, all of these, um, we're having all of these police contacts. We're making 10 million criminal arrests per year. And the guys that are making it are not really super well-trained to, to do that job. And... Um, well, bad things are going to happen. And we're seeing these bad things happen routinely. And I think right now, too, probably among the police forces or a lot of police forces, you're seeing literally an experience drain, a brain drain. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to end up with even less experienced uh, police on, on, the, uh, on the beat. And the likelihood of more incidents like we've been seeing uh, I mean, it's it's a vicious circle, and I, I think it's just stupid. Uh, this you know, this defunding the police movement I, again just goes against human nature. Uh, people are going to take advantage of situations where they think they can get away with something, you know. And and as you withdraw police, crime is going to rise. I, I don't know why that takes someone to explain that. Well, you know, we, we what we need are community mediators. Right. 
who will go in and non-violently resolve conflict. And good luck with that. Yeah, that works real well. No, there's there's no question that the answer to this is experience and training. Uh, or most of the answer to this, and and uh, you know one you have to gain, and but but the second the, the training standards, uh, that's where I think uh, a hard look has to be taken, and, and the training has to be upped considerably uh, in, in almost all police forces where we've seen incidents like this happen. Um, yes, there are going to be bad cops. We got that. We know that. But uh, I think a lot, a lot of those that are deemed bad cops, like this 29-year veteran that pulled a gun instead of a taser, uh, I think a lot of that is, is just lack of training. I mean, that, that should never have happened. Her equipment should have been set up a certain way. She, you know what I'm saying? It is it, just... Yeah, you never I put your taser on the same side as your pistol. Right. You never set your equipment up like where you can make that kind of mistake. That's a training thing. Yeah, and I don't know how her equipment was set up, or I don't know what she, you know, I mean, you know, temperamentally, she could have just, you know, freaked out and, and... Right, yeah, I don't know that either, but you don't know. I do know the fact that common sense tells you, and, I, and certainly my experience in the military, I mean, you set your equipment up in a way, you know, everyone sets their equipment up in a way where, where it's the most efficient setup. Uh, nothing about a taser and a gun, you know, her pistol being on the same side says that's efficient or smart. Yeah. That's and a training thing. By the way, whenever you draw it, you should just from the weight alone be able to feel something yeah, wrong. I would think. Between a taser feels, and a real the pistol. The way it feels in your hand, the weight, yeah. The weight, the whole shooting match, yeah. But, you know. And I assume she was using a Glock and there was one in the chamber and it was cocked. And the safety, she'd have to take the safety off. Well, not with the Glock. Well, not with the Glock because the Glock has the trigger safety. So it automatically automatically desafes when you put your finger on the trigger. So whatever it was, she had, you know, whatever pistol she had, she had to take safety off fire. Unless she had it in there with that one and, you know. Yeah, Glocks don't have an external manual safety. Yeah, I'd be interested to know what she was carrying. Yeah, well, it was a Glock. Was it? it yeah, was it, it was a Glock. When when you pull a Glock would, and you assume, pull the trigger, it's going to freaking fire. Yeah, I assume yeah. it was. But, uh, I, you know, the, the, the trouble with this is that it's such a multifaceted problem. Because at the same time, we have serious problems with police training, with procedure, with what police are allowed to do and get away with, and the way they're allowed to meddle in the community and things that, to me, don't seem to require a police presence, but we do it anyway because, well, they're the guys that enforce things, so they're the ones we send out. Prosecutors who won't do their job when it comes to cops. And then on the other side, we have all of these people saying, you know, the cops are out to kill you. And look, cops aren't out to kill anybody. This idea that has been that has been put out that the cops are just out there to shoot black guys. Um, and by the way, it's not new. Um, I remember we used to have this thing uh, back when I was at uh, the Canadian Forces Network in Brunson in Europe. It was a CBC show. It was a comedy show called the Porter Porter Report Report. And they had a, a deal about the police in Toronto. And uh, they said they had this one person, you know, it's all comedy, of course. They interviewed, and he said, I would describe Toronto as a multicultural community of communities with the cops shooting all the black guys. Um, and uh, the, they said, but the police chief says that's not true. We're not just shooting black guys. We're shooting Asians. We're shooting Hispanics. We're shooting indiscriminately. And I think that's to be applauded. Um but, you know, it, it was funny in 1991. It's a lot less funny now. Uh, but yeah. it's certainly been one of the things that people have thought for a while that, you know, if you're black, you're probably more likely to get shot by the cops. I think that's sort of a, whether it's absolutely true or not, I think that's a truism that everybody has come to accept. And it has been perverted into the cops are just out trying to kill black people. And they will kill well, black people at any opportunity. And, of course, sociologically on the side of people who get stopped by the cops— that makes them more willing to try to do things to resist the cops, to get away from the cops, because now they've been told that, well, they're going to shoot you anyway. So, right. you know, why not try to protect yourself? And yeah, so you get this vicious circle going on, on, on both sides. Well, it's, and, and it's, a, it's a narrative uh, that uh, 
the, the media supports, so you don't get any of the other side. Uh, you know, you don't get statistics, um, uh, for instance, that uh, point out that uh, uh, there are 50 million crimes committed, uh, 10 million violent, and, and of those, a thousand people get shot. Um, and of those that are shot, you know, about 46 to 40, 44 to 46% of them are white, uh, 22 to 23 are black, uh, 17 to 18% are Hispanic, and 13% and other. So that doesn't, you know, what you'll hear come back on that as well. Like, look at that. That's disproportionate. The, uh, blacks only uh, only comprise 14% of the population, but they, they're shot 22% of the time. And then you point out the fact that the, the DOJ data on violent crimes points out that 37.8% of all violent, crime, violent crimes are committed by blacks. Well, then they're not out of proportion at all, are they? Because 58% are white, and we're shooting 44% of them. Well, it, it goes beyond that, because the way people are taught by the media to sort of think about these issues, they did a, a survey, I believe, a, a week or two ago, where they asked people, you know, how many unarmed black people did the cops shoot in last year, 2019? The, the correct number is seven, by the way. Right. Um, and they were getting, you know, 50, 60, 100, right. 200. Okay, look, cops are not shooting 200 unarmed people a year. I mean, no, as, as bad as oh. we might think policing is being done in this country, they're not just indiscriminately shooting unarmed people. Yeah, it's um, so so it's a narrative that has survived even facts, you know, uh, there it's almost an innate belief that cops are out to get black people and that's what they're doing. And uh, the, the truth, uh, at least the statistics don't support that narrative. So, <laughs> you know, how do you how do you combat that? among a group of people that believe it to be true. I, I, I mean, obviously, statistics haven't sold it. So what's going to sell it? The, the, the only thing that might sell it is if police just stop policing. You want to defund the well, police? Defund yeah, them, and, see what happens. Hey, maybe it'll be great. Exactly. But, you know, the, the, the other side, the other point to be made in this is really – uh, despite the, the mob scenes we, we see, this call to defund the police on the left is, is a small but mo vocal minority. Uh, most uh, it's a it's a small but vocal it's a small but vocal minority in the black community, much less you know right exactly in general. Uh, mo most of the time, I'll see uh, follow up interviews in the black community. They go, and we don't need less; we need more policing in this community. Yeah, so, because I mean, the, 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 but the narrative drives this right, drives the politics, and the politics are freaking disgusting. And it, it's 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 just impossible to have a discussion about this where you just honestly, with almost anyone, where you can just honestly talk about the multitude of failings on all sides in this argument. Right. Yes. You know, and you cannot have this discussion without being called all sorts of uh, racists. You name the phobe, and you're it. <laughs> it's yeah, you're 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 trying a white, you're white splaining, you're trying a white supremacist argument. I mean, you'll never get past that, uh, unfortunately. And, and and to me, that's all a defensive mechanism. Uh, you know, there's they have no argument and they believe the narrative and they don't want to not believe it for some reason. Yeah, well, also having that real argument or, or that real debate um, might get super uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, if you it might, you know, you say, why are cops always going after black people? Well, a, they're they're not specifically in general. Uh, certainly I never did or any of the people I worked with did. However, if you are a member of a community that, according to the FBI's uniform crime statistics, commit more than half of all murders and robberies, chances are the police are going to look at your community 
less um, less lackadaisically than they look at others. Because, right. you know, you, the, the nail that stands out is the one that gets the hammer. Right. And so, you know, if, in fact, this disproportionate number of crimes is occurring in your community, and by the way, the victims also largely black people, um, what, what, what are the police supposed to do? Arrest some random white person for fairness? I, I don't get how, how that works out. If there's a problem with crime in your community, the police can't solve that. That's something that has to be solved socially and, and, and culturally. Um, not having fathers around probably isn't a great idea. Um, right. You know, there's this is one of those things, that, you know, it, it, it truly is a can of worms. Um, yeah. And it's all tied together, and there are many things. It, you know, if, if there was a simple solution, we'd have done it. Well, you'd think we'd have done it. Yeah, well, I hope we would have. But you know, there's 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 been a lot of stuff unwound over the, the last few decades that have contributed to all of this, and no one is willing to point to those and say, "Yeah, it's the problem," or at least it's a contributor to the, the problems. Problem. I mean, there's, what's there's, that? Or, or it's a contributor to the problem anyway. Right, right. Yeah, that's one of the problems that have, have contributed to this. Exactly right. Um, you know, we're we seem to be unwilling to do that and that's the only way that we're going to honestly look at this and and at least point to some sort of solution uh but all this finger pointing and and uh you know race baiting and uh, all the other nonsense that goes with it uh, isn't going to make it better it's only going to do exactly worse and, and you know we keep hearing you know like like we heard from uh president obama well you know we need to have this uh you know, honest and Eric Holder, we need to have this this honest and open discussion about race, which is unfortunately the precise opposite of what they mean. What they mean is we expect you to mouth the appropriate pieties, yeah, and agree with us. And if you don't, well, then of course the name calling starts. Complex yeah. social problems don't have simple answers, and no, complex social problems can't be traced to a single monolithic group that is causing them all. No, but when you have the media coupled with the government uh, trying to, to push this narrative, um, it's almost impossible to combat and it's certainly almost impossible to come up with a, an actual solution. Right, and, and, and the media, speaking of being complicit, NBC... They're becoming very famous for their amazing video editing capability uh, yes. because they managed to show the video of um, young Micaiah being shot by that cop in Columbus uh, without ever actually showing the knife. Yeah. Interesting choice of, of edit points on that, uh, that video replay that they showed. And, of course, I, I can only assume that this is not done out of incompetence but it's intentional well and, and, and i'm trying to remember now because i know i read it but i someone told me i read somewhere not someone told me i read somewhere where they had also edited the 9-11 call oh yeah because part of the 9-11 call was someone saying there's a girl here with knife with a knife stabbing people right okay and they took that out yeah they removed that it's, you know it's like there's a girl here a girl heavens to betsy I mean, it was just so blatant. You know, it's it's like it's like the sixty minutes DeSantis thing. I mean, that was the most blatant, stupid edit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, it wasn't there them sitting in a studio uh, talking to the governor. It was the governor having a press conference. For God's sake, did they not think that someone else was there filming the thing? And yet they just blatantly edited his, she butchered his answer to make it sound like something completely the opposite of what he said. I mean, this is, this is propaganda, folks. And they, they've been doing it for a while. I remember about 10 years ago when John Cena was being interviewed, I think by 60 Minutes. Um, and he just happened to have his own camera there recording the interview. 
and basically they asked him about you know performance enhancing drugs and they edited his answer in such a way that made it sound as if he was eliding past the question and refusing to answer whether he had used performance-enhancing drugs. And, of course, because he had his own copy of it, he immediately went public, called a press conference, and played his entire answer in which he categorically denied ever using them. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's a better story if uh, John Cena's taken a bunch of steroids. Of course. And then he has got to figure out a way to get his reputation back. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's uh, uh, somebody showed an example of it on Twitter several months ago where where some reporter just made a flatly incorrect statement. And um, it had been repeated, you know, retweeted like you know, 50,000 times. And then, right. you know, a couple hours later, they come up with a retraction. Well, that was completely wrong. We had to retract that story. That never happened. You know, four retweets. Okay. Well, the damage has already been done. Yeah. You're screwed, blued, and tattooed. And, and they know that as well as anybody else, and which is precisely why they do it. Who cares if they, and, you know, it's like the old story about the New York Times. On page one, they pronounce you guilty. And then three days later, on page C14, they retract their front page story. Well, great. And and you know, again, it's it's the same. It's that that question is the one that Paul Newman asked in Absence of Malice. You know, who, who do I go to to get my reputation back? Yeah, I mean that's Jesus. It's it, and this happens all the time. I mean, this is not you know what you realize now that we we see these things uh, fairly routinely because other people's people are are doing. Uh, you know, this filming of the same event is you realize that this, this isn't something new. This has been going on for a long, long time. And, uh, they, the media has always shaped the news. Why do you shape the news? Well, you shape the news to carry a narrative, whatever the narrative is that they're trying to carry. That's how they shape the news. And, uh, you know, we're finally fairly wise to that now, but it still doesn't seem to stop them. I, I, you know, you get caught red-handed 15 times and you go, eh, what the hell, let's do it again. Well, the problem is, and people in the media know this as well, that it, whatever the initial reportage is, is the reportage that's going to get the attention. Everything else right. after that is, is just, you know, unnecessary detail. And so, you know, once once they have made the initial statement, it doesn't matter if they come back later and retract it. They already know what they've done. And they know that, that whatever retraction or change or update that they make is simply not going to get enough attention. Certainly not as much as the, the original stuff that they did. So there are people now who've been watching NBC and who have no idea that you know, that, that girl had a knife and that the cops showed up and she was stabbing people because what they saw was what appeared to be some a couple of girls having some sort of fist fight. Yeah. And and so they've been uh, they've been sold the narrative uh, and they believe it. I mean, why wouldn't you believe it if you don't know any better if that's all you've seen? Uh, it's obvious that uh, uh, you know, based on what they showed people, this this cop was wrong, and that's how easy it is to manipulate this stuff to the to to have exactly the opposite opinion uh, based on false information, propaganda. And it's it's scary what we see now on the supposed mainstream press, uh, what they'll do uh, to to manipulate. Uh, the the story to, to support that narrative. I mean, that's, that's again, I want to say it, that's not news, that's propaganda, that's Pravda. And, and by the way, a, a lot of people realize that this is going on with the news. They realize that what they're seeing is propaganda. They see people being canceled off of Twitter or videos being you know, demonetized or just removed or banned off of YouTube. And so they're looking around to try to find the truth. And they often tritty trot right over to QAnon or, you know, any number of conspiracy theories and, you know, 
at least the people with the conspiracy theories can say, hey, look, we're the ones that are trying to tell you the truth. The media is censoring us just like they do to everybody yeah. else. And all of a sudden, you begin to, why are people being radicalized? Why are people believing these, you know, I've seen any number of articles about why is this QAnon thing going so far? Um, how can people possibly believe this? Well, they they can't believe what you're telling them because you've decided not to play it straight down the middle and tell them the honest truth. And so since they have, they, they already know that you have no credibility, then maybe these other people have a little bit more. After all, if they weren't telling the truth, why would you be trying to censor them? Yeah, and, you know, I, I always laugh when I, I see the, the left ragging on people who believed in QAnon and, and these conspiracies. And I'm going, my God, people, you just bought Russian hoax thing for four years. Who are you to laugh at anybody about being a conspiracy theory believer? Be, uh, but why wouldn't the they, but why theory? but why wouldn't they believe the Russian hoax theory? Because that's you know it wasn't a hoax whenever NBC and CBS were reporting on it. Right. It wasn't a hoax whenever yeah. Adam Schiff, a member of Congress, was telling us I have like Joe McCarthy, I have a list of sixty-four people mm -hmm. who were suborned by the Russians. Uh, Oh, okay. We know we can't trust you. So, <laughs> those of us who who have some idea, anyway. But for the average person, uh, of course, they believe that the Russia collusion theory was a. They want to believe it, and b. Why shouldn't they? Everyone else is telling right. them is true. The only difference is their conspiracy That's theories right. are broadcast and on so CBS while QAnon's conspiracy theories are broadcast on BitChute. Well, and, and, and the whole point is uh, they still won't admit that it was a conspiracy theory. That's the funny thing. Uh, they still, you know, after, again, ragging the right about QAnon, they still believe that uh, the, that conspiracy theory has, has, you know, it lives. It's right. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's, you it's know. a lot of... And there, I, I saw somebody earlier this week, you know, pull the, the full Captain Quig. You know, we proved with, with geometric logic that a, a Russian collusion did exist. No, you didn't. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's what blows me away is the, the surety in which they assert that this was absolutely true. And don't bother uh, trying to point out all the evidence against uh, they're simply not open to, to even considering it. No, they don't need your silly it's facts. Fun, it's funny stuff. They've already decided what the truth <laughs> is, and, and why shouldn't they? Like I said, CBS and NBC and ABC and Adam Schiff and CNN are all telling them that this really happened. And so, you know, it, it's no less conspiratorial on CNN as it is on, on BitChute, unfortunately. And I don't think yeah. that's what the media is supposed to be. And so you wonder why people get radicalized? Hey, if, if you were telling people the truth, they wouldn't feel the need to go look for other sources of information that allows them to self-radicalize. That's not, that's not really on them. It's just people trying to figure out what's going on because they know you're not going to tell them. That's right. And it's, they, they're out seeking more information, and they come across. And and look, this happens on both sides, and they come across things that appeal to them more, whether they're true or not. They appeal to them more, and then they get caught up in this, really not checking it out that closely. And pretty soon you're queuing on, or you believe in Russian collusion, and you're not getting any outside feedback uh, from uh, you know other sources. And hey, that's the truth as far as you're concerned. Yeah, you believe it, and and you know, it, and it doesn't even help if you're you know a media organization say, well, we're doing fact checks to show that this stuff isn't true. Why would we believe you now? Why would we believe your fact checkers yeah. when we don't believe anything else that you say? And you've made it clear that what you say is is incorrect. We know that it's wrong. So you know who facts check who fact checks the fact checkers, and you right. have I exactly. think a lot of people who really would be interested in knowing the truth, but they can't find it. And so if you can't find the truth, the human tendency is, well, let's find something that comports with what I believe.
And why not? Exactly. It, it's no less credible than anything else you're being told. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And that's what happens. And so, and, and you know, what is something <laughs> which is ironic about this is we, we now have all this information at our fingertips, yet we seem to go with a narrower and narrower focus uh, based on what we what we prefer to see. Yeah, and, and that's odd. And, that's odd to me. And by the way, the fact checkers themselves blow their own credibility all the time. You know, Joe Biden oh, yeah. could go up and say, well, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I broke wild Broncos in Wyoming. And of course, the fact checkers, you know, people say, well, that never happened. And then the fact checker relates it mostly true. Uh, Joe Biden did visit Wyoming two years ago, and there are horses in Wyoming. So most of that story is true. Well, that that's not a fact check. And and you and I have talked a couple of times of fact checks that basically said, yeah, it's not true, but you know we're going to rate it mostly true anyway because yeah. reasons. That doesn't help your credibility. And then you wonder why aren't no. people checking my fact check out? Well, because you've already proved how worthwhile it is. That you're a lion SOB. Yeah. So, you know, complex problems require complex solutions. And complex solutions generally can't be provided in a one hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have a point there. <laughs> so, we may have to readdress these things on an ongoing basis. <laughs> Bruce, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. You too, Dan. You were listening to Observations Q&A podcast for Friday, the 23rd of April, 2021. On behalf of Bruce McQueen, this is Del Frank saying thanks for listening. We appreciate that you do, and we hope you'll be listening again next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.